When you hear that, you just know what that means. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Nosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com, my good brother. First of all, I just want to say thank you. I gave you your flowers the other day uh, for your conversation podcast uh, for, what was it, Father's Day? Yeah, really, that was really, a really hit home. Man. Father's Day episode, yeah. yeah. Really yeah. hit home, and I hope y'all really went out there and took a look, take a, took a listen to that because it was a good one. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, um, you know, first and foremost, still, it's a blessing as always to to just talk with you, brother. Just every single time, it's a blessing, offline, online, all the time, about everything that we talk about. Um, but, ladies and gentlemen, the conversation with a K, conversation with a K, uh, it's it's live. It's on Patreon. Download the Patreon app. Um, or go to patreon.com backslash the conversation. It is my official mental health podcast. We are now two episodes in. Uh, This most recent episode was kind of a a Father's Day slash Juneteenth episode uh, addressing, you know, men and men of color as far as some of the traumas that we've um, not necessarily had to inherit, but we inherited nonetheless from, from our parents and who you know inherited it from their grandparents and how we can break the cycle how we can break generational curses and not pass these these demons on to our kids because they're going to have their own set of challenges so let's not make life more difficult for them simply because we were not able to or willing to man up and man being m-h-a-n mental health awareness now man up and look in the mirror and say it has to stop now so if you haven't checked out that episode it is available both video and audio version at patreon.com backslash the conversation or download the app make sure y'all give that a listen please 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 do uh so when you talk about man up for this defensive line room it's kind of about next man up right and mm. in a good way. i like that smooth that's bars yeah. You like that? That's, that's bars. That's ooh, finesse. For real. Finesse. For man, real. Man. I mean, this, this, this room, man. Yeah. I feel like yeah. we talked about this the other day. We did a uh, State of the Unit defensive end series. And I just we were kind of having a conversation that, you know, this room could probably roll out its second unit and it would be the first unit on most teams. That's fair. Yeah. And, and you did a – you guys over at .com are doing a series called Battle Line Series. Mm-hmm. And and you were focused on the defensive end room, so I kind of want to go down that battle line series uh, topics or, or parts in that in that article, starting off with the the first one there, where you said what needs to go right, <laughs> and I love what you said where you talk about man, look, just keep pouring gasoline on this thing, yeah. and, and then I feel you. I mean, think about it because as we break down these series and and I attacked the defensive ends and yeah. um, as you stated, one of the questions were one of the pre, you know one of the questions that are baked in is what needs to go right and I when I read that I literally sat back and kind of laughed to myself and I said um I much what like what <laughs> what the the real question is what can go wrong. you know anything can go wrong right. but it it's an easier question to to answer as far as what can go wrong what might go wrong versus what needs to go right because to this point in the Cowboys uh, progression in the Dan Quinn era not much has gone wrong at all, let alone on the defensive front. Uh, talk about a defensive line that now has Micah Parsons co-leading it with Demarcus Lawrence. And I say co-leading because, to take your words, not so fast. It's not Micah's defense just yet. It is still Tank's defense, and, and Tank proved that again last year when, you know, people <laughs> – the, the thing about Tank is, as you talk well know, him. still – Let me talk to you. Yeah, let, <laughs> let me talk to you. Come on, talk to him. <laughs> let me talk to you. 
Um, rumors of Demarcus Lawrence's demise have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah. <laughs> and and every year we seem to have this conversation. But I will say, thankfully, it appears it appears that at least this offseason, we're not, and when I say we, I'm talking about Steele, myself, Vodge, some of the other, KD, Drummond, some of the other guys who are out there doing the Lord's work when it comes to trying to get everyone to, the, to recognize Tank's value. We're not having to fight that fight as much this, this offseason as we have in recent seasons. And, and that feels good because I feel like people are starting to understand exactly what Demarcus Lawrence means to this team. Uh, no, he's not going to rack up 12, 13 sacks anymore, but you are going to get anywhere from six to eight sacks, and you're also getting arguably the best run-defending edge rusher in the game in Demarcus Lawrence coming off of another Pro Bowl season in 2022, tied with Micah Parsons in combined tackles, forced fumbles with three. He played in all 17 games, and he only had one fewer forced fumble than Micah Parsons did last year. So Demarcus Lawrence is still most certainly the leader in that room, but give roses to Micah Parsons because he is right there as co-captain. Um, but you have those two guys sealing the edges still. And from there, it only gets more and more fun yeah. because typically when you look around the league, you will have guys like, you know, the Bosa brothers, you got Joey, you got Nick on their respective teams. But then once you get behind them, you have depth issues. You, you look at guys like Eric Armstead and the Colts, And once you get behind Armstead, you have depth issues. Uh, and it's very rare that you come across a team because even when you look at the Washington Commanders, one of the best defensive fronts in the game, period. I mean, we can objectively say that they, on their best day, they don't have the Cowboys' depth. Same goes for the Eagles, one of the best defensive fronts in the game. On their best day, they can't throw waves and waves. You can go to the third string on the Cowboys, and the third string of edge rushers could be starters yeah. for most, if not any other team in the league. So talk about Sam Williams primed to have a breakout year. Dante oh, we'll Fowler. Get to him for sure. Oh yeah, we're going to get to him. Dante Fowler uh, had a resurgent year in his reunion with Dan Quinn in 2022, and he's back on another deal. Dorrance Armstrong. We need to talk about how he had a breakout season, right? Second most uh, sacks on the lead, on the team, behind only Michael Parsons last year, and it just goes on and on from there. So yeah. kudos to Dan Quinn and the Cowboys because uh, the front office has basically given Dan Quinn everything he wants, no matter what he's asking for. And it just, it keeps working. And the things that don't work, and I have to say this because this is something that if you've been following the Cowboys long enough, ladies and gentlemen, you know what I'm about to say is very, very true. The Cowboys tend to have a an aversion to admitting when something's not working. That's not been the case in the Quinn McCarthy era, right? Mm -hmm. Mike Nolan lasted one season and he was out of there. Now you look at from a player perspective, a roster perspective, uh, Keanu O'Neal, one season, didn't work, goodbye. DeMonte Kazee, one season, didn't work, bye. And Tech McKinley, whom I was a huge fan of coming out of UCLA, didn't even get a full season, came in mid-season, signed to a futures deal, and he's out the building. They bring in Ben Bonogu to try to see what he can uh, do uh, in training camp. This Cowboys team, one of the main reasons this Cowboys defense and defensive line is as stout as it is, is because they don't waste time in trying to and giving you an opportunity to, to determine either you're ready for what comes next or you're not. And if you're not, then shake hands and, you know, good luck on your next team. <laughs> yeah, they'll so, give you a shot to be the next man up. But if you do mm -hmm. not answer the bell, I mean, they're moving get, on. You, you get one shot. You get one. Keanu Neal got one shot. DeMonte Kazee in the secondary, he got one shot. Um, Tech McKinley, like I said, he got one shot. If you're not coming into this program, and I say program because it's starting to feel like Dan Quinn is 
is running a collegiate program. If you're not coming into this program ready to do some work and ready to support uh, Micah and and Demarcus Lawrence and those guys behind them, then you're not you're not going to last in Dan Coin system. You got to put up numbers. You got to make an impact in some way. And I love it. And now, arguably, and I say arguably because somebody's going to argue it, but I'll say it inarguably. I think that this is the best defensive line in the NFL. I, I don't even I mean, you could argue it if you want, but I, I'm up there with you. I talked about this the other day. I, I think from a depth standpoint, and I know we could discuss the interior and, and, and that'll be another day. But from a depth standpoint uh, from edge rushers, it's hard to find another team that can go one through. What is it? Five or so? Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. Man, it's you know unreal. how many rushers. And, and, it's, Sam, and really, it's Williams alone. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the draft oh pedigree, God, too, dude, you're, you're talking dude. about. Multiple first rounders. You're talking about multiple second rounders, right? And then mm-hmm. guys like like Dorrance, who uh, people would love to have a Dorrance as their third or fourth or or fifth, depending <laughs> if you really look at pure pass rushing guy. Think about that for a second. Your second leading sack guy last year is mm-hmm. arguably your fourth best pass rusher. Correct. But do y'all understand what? what I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. if it's sinking. Like they need to absorb yeah. what you're saying right now. This, this is how. Stack, da, 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 da. This Cowboys defensive line, this is one of the best, talent-wise, this is one of the best defensive fronts that we've seen in Dallas in a generation. Yeah. And that is no exaggeration. So you said that, or the question, let me answer this question here, where it says the biggest, not the biggest challenge, but the uh, what needs to go right. Stay healthy. That's pretty much what it is. That, they, that's, they just, that's what can go wrong because yeah. that's always the thing that can go wrong. Yeah. But and again, we're sitting here talking about depth and you don't want anyone to get injured at any point, but it's an occupational hazard. And inevitably, somebody may go down and they may lose a game or two, whatever the case may be. Should that happen, the Cowboys are more equipped than any other team in the league to withstand that for any period of time. One game, two games, five games, whatever. It quite literally is next man up. And and typically when you hear that from a team, it's, you know, you look at the next man that might be up and, you you know, the question marks start popping in your head. You're nervous, right? Kind of yeah. like over Miles Morales' head. It's kind of like, hmm, <laughs> right? And you wonder, but you, you don't wonder about Sam Williams if he has to step in because, you know, player X, and I'll say player X and player Y because I don't want to put bad mojo on guys. But if player X goes down, you don't worry about Sam Williams. Uh, if player Y goes down, you don't worry about Durant Armstrong. Uh, and the list goes on and on from there because you also you're also going to get some some uh, de play from a guy like Overshone, right? Because right now looks like Overshone is positionless, so you're yeah. going to get some edge play from him. Quiet as it's kept, and I don't know if people read read one of my mini camp review uh yeah reviews, but I did put in there LVE took some snaps off of the edge as an edge rusher. Dan Quinn is getting frisky. So at no point, we don't even doubt that back though. We don't need him down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I'm just saying that Dan Quinn is getting frisky, and the overarching point is that the Cowboys can throw wave one, two, and three at you, and wave three will not have much of a fall off from wave one, and that's just that's insanity. That is insanity. One of the guys, though, and this is my biggest question because in that in the article there is a biggest question part of it. One of the guys, Junior Fehoko, okay. Mm. Coach Floyd came in and Coach Floyd was like, hey, eventually we want to look to move him inside, right? But Coach Floyd said he looks at him as a guy that's going to play this year, you know, at edge. So my question is how, Sway? 
<laughs> How, Sway? How? You don't got so, the answers, Pat. You know, we don't. It's, 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 it's a beautiful problem. It is such a beautiful problem because, uh, and I know everybody calls him Junior. I really just love the name Viliami. Like, I just, I don't know. I, it it sounds dope. better to me when I say Viliami, you know, ran through your face. Right, I, that's this that's more artistic. Like I, I like it. It's right? classy. It, it's, it's it's classy, right? It's like pinky up, right? Um, but Viliami, aka Junior Fajoko, um, I was big on him uh, coming out. And you look at his motor, go and look at his film. He's just he's an absolute animal. And I said it before. I said it on this program. Still, he chooses the violence on a day to day basis when it comes to playing between the lines, outside the lines. He, you know, he's as as smiley faced as you can get but once the, the bright lights come on and you know that uniform gets on he's he's running through some guys now how does he get to the edge um got a lot of love for you coach floyd but i don't see it in 23 yeah um i think that's a long-term um, development and not necessarily from the skill set uh side of the equation but because there are too many bodies on the edge that you have to manufacture snaps were because there are only so many snaps defensive yeah. snaps in the game and the the prevailing question on the edge right now and i think we can all agree is we love we all love that dante fowler is back we do but we also understand that um quinn needs to and i believe he will needs to make sure that the presence of fowler doesn't become a progress stopper for a guy like sam williams mm -hmm. so when you go into the into training camp and the preseason and the regular season this year, and you have that mindset knowing that Sam Williams deserves more snaps. I mean, the guy had six, six, six sacks with no starts last year. His efficiency of his production is just through the roof. His potential is through the roof. You're going to get him more snaps, so you want Sam Williams to get more snaps, but Dante Fowler has more than proven that he deserves his snaps, but then Dorrance and, you know, primarily Dorrance will back up DeMarcus, but Dorrance also takes snaps off of the right every once in a yeah, while, so you Right, you got things to figure out on the edges, and you'll see Fahoko out there a time or two, but I think he will begin on the interior, and then they'll work him outward from there. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of one of the rookies I'm really keeping my eye on is where do they move him? Because he's a versatile cat, right? But he's mm -hmm. 267, so sliding inside early is going to be tough to be a full-time three-tech, so uh, maybe maybe they'll use him like a early uh, Ghostin, where Ghostin was kind of moved around. You got it. You know, a little you bit it. around the same size, I think they were too, about 265 or mm -hmm. so. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on them. Um, you brought up Sam, and that was the next part of the of the article, Battle to Watch. And it was about Sam, Slam, thank you, ma'am, Williams. And I'm the more I think about Sam Williams and, and where he could slide in, I don't think he's necessarily battling one specific person. I think he's battling being the third guy on this on this defensive end rotation like being that dude he's got that kind of talent so yes. it might not just be one dude it might it might be Fowler he's dealing with is it's Dorrance he's dealing with uh I don't know if Overshone's going to be able to crack that but it, it's a bunch of guys that'll be not fighting yet. behind those two but I do think Sam has that talent Pat to eventually you know rise up and be that third guy behind the top two I do Sam is him yeah. Well, he's a him because there are like three or four, four or five hymns on this team because <laughs> Tank is him and Micah is him and Sam is him. And it kind of goes from there. But Sam definitely has a lot of him in him. This is a, a guy who still owns the school sack record for Ole Miss for Ole Miss. And 
he can get after quarterbacks. And the only the only knock, and it's not even necessarily a big knock because he's shown that he can um, defend the run. But from what I see in that capacity, he can improve there. So if he gets that part of his game up to anywhere near Tank's level of run defense, we'll combined with the motor he has and the ability he has to get after the quarterback and cause disruptions in the backfield. It felt like every other time he took a snap in 2022, he was in the backfield in some capacity, even if it wasn't a sack. And um, for those that really pay attention to the game, the science is disruptions are more valuable than sacks mm. because disruptions can also create takeaways. And then science. the argument becomes, is a takeaway more valuable than a sack? I would argue that it is unless the sack turns into a takeaway, i.e. forced fumble. Yeah. So that's a conversation to have. But sack, Sam Williams, sack Williams, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam Williams, I believe that talent wise, he's primed to be the third best pass rusher on the team behind Micah and Tank. Uh, that is obviously no knock to Fowler. Run, his, run the segment back. I said Fowler deserves to be here. He deserves his snaps. Um, but that being said, Fowler is not the long-term answer as far as the number three yeah. is concerned, or even the number two, because you could argue that between Durrance and Sam, you're grooming for Tank's replacement right. uh, in the next two to three years. So that's that's going to be either Durrance or, or Sam. So who's Sam going up against? He's going up against Durrance Armstrong. He's going up against Dante Fowler, because there are levels to this, right? So Tank and Micah secured. They're not competing with anybody except themselves. Um, and then tier two, you have Sam versus Dante versus Dorrance. Uh, and then you peel back from there and you have guys like Ben Bonogu, who was brought in here uh, on the back end of minicamp. He's going to go up against Tyrus Wheaton and Darrell Johnson and those kinds of guys. And and I feel like I'm missing somebody because there's so many. But, yeah, that's that's more or less who Sam is going to be up against. Those two guys, Dante and Darrell Johnson. Uh, I mean, these are kind of the undrafted guys. I don't really think he's going to be competing with them. But, no, that, that's a different yeah. tier altogether. Those yeah. guys have to earn, have to earn a roster spot, right? But no, Goo Johnson, we we just they have to earn a roster spot. You um got a chance to speak with Coach AD, uh, Aiden Durday. Am I saying that? Oh right? yeah, I never can. Yeah, Aiden Durday. Durday, yeah. I did it. Right. The, the Bond AD. villain. Yeah, yeah, the Bond I, villain. Uh, I could listen to him. Talk. <laughs> I don't know why they don't put him in front of the camera more. I can listen to him talk. Dude, and, and when I tell you, <laughs> as as fun and informational as he is on camera even more so off camera. Like he's the same dude all the time. He is such a pleasure to have these football yeah. conversations with. And then of course the, the bond villain that's, accent that's, thing that just takes it over. The it top. just takes everything. <laughs> but in all seriousness though, he really does give you quality bites and, and quality insight. And he did on Sam Williams talking about the nuances of the game. Um, you've been down there at OTAs. You've been down there at minicamp. Have you been able to see Sam work on those things? I know we got like pictures of him and Mike on the side, but are you seeing some of these things kind of translate as much as you can uh, given its OTAs and minicamp. I am. Everything Aiden's saying is absolutely true. And and for those that missed um, the article on what Aiden said about Sam, he's basically saying year, the difference between year one Sam and year two Sam is the, the level of professionalism uh, in the realm of how he attacks his development. He, as a rookie, he came in, as most rookies do, uh, and they wait to be told what to do as far as how to develop and how to improve in this capacity or that capacity on the field. Well, that's what Sam Williams was last year and still had a very, very good year as a rookie. And he displayed his flash to show that he, you know, he has an all pro ability if he can piece it all together. And I believe he can. Year two, Sam's not waiting to get that from the coaches. So while he's taking everything in the coaches are saying when practice is over, he's still working on his own craft. When he goes home, he's still working on it. He's developing. He's uh, more than ever picking the brain of Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. And he's really 
actively self-motivated and trying to get to the next level. And it's translating because looking at him, granted, they were in shorts, but looking at him in OTAs and minicamp, as good as he looked in year one, he looks a bit faster. His feet look a bit uh, more decisive. His hands are more decisive. His technique is a bit more refined. So then when I have the conversation with Durday and he says things like what he said in regards to Sam's uh, self-motivation and, and hitting the next level, I've already seen that happening and manifesting itself, materializing on the field. So when Aiden says it, all that is is confirmation of what I've already been seeing. I am extremely, extremely anxious uh, in a great way to get out to Oxnard and see Sam Williams' development because as we have this conversation He's likely doing exactly what we're talking about. Uh, he's yeah. not at home playing Madden. Um, you don't see him tweeting and doing a whole bunch of IG stuff. He's probably working on his craft because he understands that when he enters training camp, he is up against the more proven guy in Dante. He is up against Dorrance Armstrong coming off of the best year he's had with the Cowboys, who's also uh, a front office favorite, uh, Dorrance is. So Sam knows he has his work cut out for him, but What's working in his favor is his work ethic uh, was always strong, but now it's it's next level. Coaches are starting to take notice of it. Uh, it's starting to manifest itself on the field. So I, I really just I can't beat this drum enough. And I feel like I've been beating it, but I'm going to keep beating. It. I think this is this is the Sam Williams 10 sack season. You had that as your your uh, bold prediction. That's my bold and, prediction. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people are kind of on that train there with Sam Williams kind of having to break out in, in 10 sacks. And I know he wants to get 10 sacks, but – I don't think it's far-fetched given we've seen a guy like Dante get six in very small, small snaps, Dante Fowler, that is. But when you when you start talking about how he looks faster out there, he he quite literally probably isn't faster because he's already a 4-4 type of guy. But the mental aspect, right? Like we often hear right. players say, I can I'll be slower out there because of my, you know, I'm thinking too much. Or I'll look faster because I know what I'm doing. And Cam Jordan was at yeah, that part right there. It was Cam Jordan at Von Miller's camp who who said something very similar. And you also heard Michael Parsons talk about smooth mm-hmm. is fast. Mm-hmm. Fast is slow. Like whatever he was saying, right? Yeah. Like, so Micah, Micah dropped that nugget, but that's real though. You know, if we, if you're mentally processing things at a at a uh elite level, you'll look faster out there, i.e. Sean Lee. Think about it this way, and I, I have a, a better IE for you that's more recent. It's, it's in everybody's brain right now to see how it plays out. Jalen Tolbert. Yeah. Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert to played – yeah, Jalen Tolbert played extremely slow last year. He was kind of disheveled. He didn't – because he was overthinking. He was trying too hard to, to figure out things. Um, but now, as we go through OTAs and minicamp, and we'll see how, how things turn out in training camp for Tolbert, the reason Tolbert is making plays that we didn't see him making last offseason is because in the conversation I had with Tolbert, he specifically uh, alluded to what we're talking about right now. When you don't have to think, you play faster. And so when it becomes muscle memory, when the technique becomes muscle memory, when the playbook becomes uh, second nature to you, then yes, you can just go out there and play ball because you don't have to worry, okay, well, am, am I supposed to be at three or at four yeah. technique? Um, okay, am I dropping back in coverage? Damn, what was that call again? When you can just go out there and play, you can go out there and do damage at a at a faster rate. And and that's what we're I'm starting to see with Sam Williams. He was already and, and the difference between he and Tobert is he picked up most of the playbook pretty quickly. He didn't look over look over him at all in 2022. Sam Williams didn't. Uh, he looked ready for the NFL. 
And that was still only year one. And he was a rotational guy with no starts, six sacks, right. disruptive. It felt like it was a pit bull on a leash that we were holding back, you know, just to keep everybody safe. That was going to be something. And I think yeah. it's, I think it's wildly unfair in the best possible way that the Cowboys were able are able to field a defense that has Tank, Micah, and Sam, and then Dorrance, and also, by the way, Dante Fowler, and then you start to peel back. Uh, you look at the second level and Damone Clark, the steal of, of you know last year's draft, and Leighton Vanderish playing at a high level, then Stephon Gilmore. Digs safety room is the, the safety room, the three-headed mod. It's it's wildly unfair, and I could not love it more. Yeah, I couldn't love it more. So I again circling back for me, this is uh this is Sam Williams' breakout year. And if he gets the reps that I feel like he deserves, and I feel like Dan Quinn will make sure he gets peel back the penalties a little bit, but keep in mind some of those penalties will be us like you we all know. Like some of those penalties he was accountable for. Some of those they were like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. But nonetheless, get the refs off of his back. Let the let the kid play ball. He's leveled up mentally as far as uh football IQ, which was already solid. Now it seems like it's hit another level. It looks like he's added a little bit of muscle. And in addition to that, he's you, faster. He's, he's playing. Oh my yeah, he's playing more decisive. Look, I walk past the dude in the locker room, and I'm not a small dude, but you walk past that dude, and it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm not a big dude either. <laughs> That's a big dude, um, but he's 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 muscle mass, yeah, right, and which is a whole different conversation because you know you have people like Mozzie Smith. He only looks two seventy. No, that's because you don't you don't you, that's because you don't know what pure muscle looks like. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's so, another. And also, real quick, and, I, and yeah. shout out to Sam Williams for recently holding his his youth football camp as well. So. Uh, when you talk about being a professional, consummate professional, he's he's learning how to give back to the community as well. So just on all fronts, yes. I, I'm a big champion of, of Sam Williams getting his getting his reps so he can get that 10 that 10 sack season this year. Because if he does that, in, in addition to what Micah is doing and Tank still at a high level and Dante and Dorrance. And I mean, we're just talking about the edge rushers. We haven't even gone to the middle. We mentioned Mozzie, but we haven't gone to the middle. But when you throw Mozzie and Jonathan Hankins in there and also Diggy Zua and you know, Chauncey Ghost and his needle was pointing. I mean, this defensive line, uh, it, it starts on the interior, but the edge rushers are really who's going to who are going to dictate on a week to week basis how effective the Cowboys are going to be. And uh, by all accounts, they're going to be the most effective in the league. I think so. And, and I don't. So one of the last topic, I guess it was in the segment or not the segment in your article was biggest challenge. But before I before I get to that real quick, I kind of want to throw something different at you here, Pat, with. To involve the viewers, if you don't mind. Wait, did, did Vach just tap in? I see you, Vach. Yeah, he just tapped in. Vach Lombardi in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, try to, yeah, sure try, try to slide in on, in the back it's door. Let true. me talk to him. Let me talk to you. Oh, I'm, Every, oh, what everybody's saying, Vach Lombardi. Yeah. Look, I'm about to get a wrestling podcast. With you. <laughs> I, I, I got I got too much of it just in me. I need to get it out. Dog. I got to talk to somebody it. about Let's it. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> Real talk. Do that, do that. For real, bro. Yeah, seriously. Before I get to the last part of this, um, I wanted to switch it up. I want to do something to involve the viewers here. Uh, if you don't mind, an Ask Pat kind of portion to Let's end out it. each segment, right? Do so it. what I'm going to do is I'm going to start it now so we can get some questions in there. If you want, if you got a question for Pat, uh, hashtag, hashtag Ask Pat, and we'll see if we can get some questions uh, answered on kind of like a, 
a two minute warning type situation where we're kind of just doing that, doing the rapid fire. All right. So ask what? Pat, hashtag ask Pat, drop it in the chat and uh, bars and Let's we'll get it. to it when we can. But before that, last part of the article of Battle Lines was the biggest challenge. And I really didn't think of this challenge, Pat, until you brought it up. And it was about the mobility of a lot of these quarterbacks, which uh-huh. is another reason why you kind of want to have a, a, a deep uh, defensive and pass rush unit and athletic one at that. But when you rattled off all the names, I was like, damn, you know, half the schedule is going to be against guys that are going to be pretty oh, yeah. mobile. So that was kind of your biggest challenge. Is there really any anything else on the schedule that you think is going to challenge the Cowboys uh, from from a week week in, week out basis for the defense ends? I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't like that the Cowboys have four of their first six games on the road. Uh, yeah. That's that's not pleasant whatsoever. But and I said this. In my schedule review, after the schedule dropped, I said, we're going to find out by the bye week, by the time week seven comes around, who the Cowboys are. We're not going to have to wait to find out. We'll know who they are. Um, but as far as the, the biggest challenge for the defense, it's going to be consistency against these mobile quarterbacks. You saw how Aaron Rodgers was able to, you know, buy time as he typically does against the Cowboys and mount a comeback in Green Bay. Well, guess what? Aaron Rodgers is back on the schedule this season. Uh, albeit with the New York Jets. Uh, Cowboys more or less own Daniel Jones, but we know Daniel Jones can make plays. And then they went and got a guy like Jalen Hyatt, who I was high on um, coming out of Tennessee. So, and I, as an SEC guy, you know, be careful. Jalen Hyatt is a whole problem. Um, so you get Daniel Jones another weapon and you have that mobility there. So Kyler Murray, yes, you lose DeAndre Hopkins with Kyler Murray, but guess what? Mobile quarterback. The Cowboys have struggled with mobile quarterbacks more or less over the past however many years justin herbert he's a big guy but he's not peyton manning he has a little bit of mobility there uh you know what jalen hurts can do mobility wise and you know what josh allen can be mobility wise the 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 key point here is if you look at the cowboys schedule more often than not they're playing a quarterback that either has outright mobility uh e.g kyler murray jalen hurts josh allen or guys who can extend plays e.g um daniel jones and uh, Aaron Rodgers. So this pass rush, they're going to have to make sure they remain disciplined on a consistent basis. And I'm also looking at Sam Williams when I talk about that as well, because Sam tends to have such a motor that he, again, pit bull on the leash, right? When you unleash him, all he sees is the meat. He just wants to go and get the meat. Well, careful there, young man, because not every time you're going to be able to do that. You got to know, got to recognize play and pre-snap and say, okay, well, maybe I fake the blitz and then I come off and I stay put because in the zone because you know he's going to try to get it over my head uh, and then you bat down passes so consistency of disruption is going to be key staying uh staying sideline to sideline to keep these guys from escaping these opposing quarterbacks that have these, this mobility keep them from escaping so that the interior guys can go up uh, and collapse that pocket and that's how the plays are going to have to be made so one hand is going to have to watch the other yeah can the Cowboys be the best defense in the league yes uh, they were damn near close to being it last year, and in some categories they were. Can they outright be it this year? Absolutely. But are the tests going to be there? Almost weekly, the yeah. tests are going to be there. Uh, the schedule is no joke. So from a quarterback perspective alone, the Cowboys defense better come ready to play. You said one hand is going to have to wash the other. I think that was a problem last year that saw the pass rush kind of fizzle towards the end because the hand that wasn't doing the washing was the quarterback too. So yep. teams absolutely targeted that and got the ball out quick or was able to just go on that side of the ball. And, and we were all like, why aren't we getting sacks? But it was right there in front of us. It's because teams could just get the ball out against whoever they rolled out that day at right. cornerback two. 
different story. Try doing that to mm-hmm. Stephon Gilmore, Trayvon Diggs, or Deron Bland slides out there. They move Izzy or J-Lo. It's a whole different story now. I think this this team, comp, this defense complements each other from top to bottom. And, again, we didn't even really dive into the interior. But the interior is going to be crucial in that as well, in my opinion, Pat. Oh, absolutely. And and I love that in minicamp I was seeing Mozzie Smith lined up in sets to the right shoulder of Jonathan Hankins. Uh, I, I think that's an underrated um, item that I wanted to point out to everyone because it basically confirms what Will McClay and Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones and uh, Mike McCarthy have been saying and that Mozzie Smith's uh, ability to flex as a pass rusher in the three technique. Maybe he sees some edge work to kind of mix things up every once in a while, but he's he's going to be able to stop the run. They know he can do that. He did that at Michigan. There is no question that's going to be the case. Um, so he's going to be on the field sometimes when Jonathan Hankins is not there. He's going to be your definitive nose tackle when Jonathan Hankins is not on the field. But that doesn't mean that the two won't play together because they absolutely will. And then you throw in also Diggy Zua, what he can do, Chauncey Ghost and trending upward. Uh, and then we'll see if Neville Gallimore can get back to the form he was pre-injury um, because I still believe it's in there. But I think that Neville Gallimore is, is mentally going through the same thing that Michael Gallup went through, that Jabril Cox went through slash is going through as far as um, that elbow injury was so devastating. Because keep in mind, Neville Gallimore was on schedule to be a breakout guy before he suffered that dislocated elbow in, in preseason um, last year, year before. So he, he's trying to get back to that, and it's going to be key that he does. But uh, that notwithstanding, the interior defensive front for the Cowboys is as lethal as the edge rushers. So everything, all the pieces are in place there. They just have to be consistent and understand what they're up against on a week-to-week basis against some of the more mobile quarterbacks. And even if Kyler Murray doesn't make uh, – can't play yeah, in Arizona. Yeah. yeah, even if he doesn't play, that doesn't negate the other quarterbacks that I've mentioned. So mm-hmm. all in all, they're going to have their hands full keeping these quarterbacks in the pocket. And if they can keep them in the pocket, the edge rushers can. That allows the interior guys, Mozzie, Jonathan, Osa, uh, Chauncey, to really get in there and collapse that pocket. And then where does the quarterback have to go? other than to the ground. So there you go. <laughs> Facts. All right, look, let's go ahead and finish this thing off with Axe Pat. And it's, it's look, we got a lot, too, so I appreciate you. Uh, we can take two. We can take two. two of, we can all right, two. we'll get yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, because I got I to get to HQ. I got you. We'll get two. <laughs> I got it. So for the first one, I have to – another legend in the building, Law Nation in the building. Shout out to Law Nation and Vach. Law. Yes, sir. He said, uh, hashtag Ask Pat, where are we at with kickers? Vizcaino. Mm. Not, not, not where we want to be. <laughs> Um, and that's that's not a knock to this guy. You know, he he actually had a he had a solid OTA and he had a very good mini camp. Um, but training camp is where the position is going to be decided. And I'm of the mindset that I, this guy, you know, could have gone 100 percent accuracy on field goals in every single practice through OTAs and mini camp. And I still would be sitting here saying, go get a vet, a proven veteran, because I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of worrying about the kicker. I'm tired. I'm yeah. tired of worrying about. I miss the the prime Dan Bailey days when you just knew that when Dan Bailey trotted out there, dude, you could go get a sandwich and just know that when you came back, that field goal was going to be made. I miss those days. I yearn for those days to return. May not return for quite a while, but what the Cowboys can do is make sure they put themselves in a position where they don't necessarily have to worry about it as much as they have in the past. Shouts out to Brett Maher for having a resurgent year, but then the wheels fell off at the wrong time. 
Um, and Vizcaino, he's unproven. He's a young journeyman. Yes, he's only in his mid-20s, but, you know, this is like his eighth or ninth team, second time with the Cowboys, didn't stick in, in 2020. Can he get the job done? Maybe. But where's my competition? Yeah. You need the competition there. Um, so Robbie Gould is out there. I'm a big fan of Mason Crosby and Gould as well. But Mason Crosby, pre-existing relationship with Dan Quinn. I know some people are in on Ryan Suckup. Some people are out. Main thing being you have options. Go and get one or two of those options. You have two roster spots available right now. You're, you're only carrying 88. So go and get two kickers if, if that's what you want to do. But get at least one kicker because don't go to Oxnard with just Vizcaino. Push him. Yeah. Don't don't let him get comfortable. You need to make sure that he is uncomfortable every single day because that's the only way you're going to know if he can deliver under pressure. And if he can't, you need to know it in July and August, not in September and October, and most certainly not in November and December. But it sounds like they're they're going to do that. One more, and, and this is kind of a teaser to to this position group that I'll and hope maybe we will be talking about next uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, ask Pat from Twan Myers. Do you see Devin Harper getting more playing time uh, this season? Good question. TBD. It's a, it's, it's a bit of a light room after the starters, you know. T un, TBD. Yeah, yeah. Here's, I have such a massive question mark um, behind Damone Clark and Leighton Vanderish. I mean, yeah. it's 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 unnerving how concerned I am now. Everyone, it's no secret. I, you know, I love I love Brillo. I love Jabril Cox, and I but I've had these conversations with Jabril as well, and he understands that this is a pivotal year. This is the most pivotal year for him. As, as a young NFL player, he's now had a great bit of time removed from suffering the torn ACL. Good news is he looked really good in minicamp. He was getting red zone PBUs and, you know, the defense swarming him because one of those would have been in that situation would have been a game saver. Um, but if he can step up and be something major, then he gets to challenge Overshone for that LB3 situation but also keeping in mind overshone is going to get flexed but uh, as far as Devin Harper's concerned I'll put it this way if you're on the field in Oxnard you have an opportunity yeah to not only make the roster but to make an impact so simple answer yes he has a chance he absolutely has a chance because he's on the roster um is he kind of behind the eight ball a little bit not as much as wide receivers chasing that fourth or fifth seat would be. And what I mean by that is the Cowboys desperately need somebody to step up and be LB3. Now, you'll look at Jabril, you'll look at DeMarvion, but it's still wide open right now. And because it's wide open, yes, Devin Harper still has a solid chance. So does Malik Jefferson to step in and, and do something mm. special mm. for the Cowboys. But they're going to have to hit the ground running in Oxnard. They will not have time to have – you know, a week of bad practices, two weeks of bad practices. They have to step on the Call field. The nuclear camp. Day, right. They got to step on the field day one. Malik Jefferson and Devin Harper, they got to step on the field day one and start making waves uh, to try to disrupt what might be going on with the upswing on Jabril Cox and, and the the excitement around DeMarvion Overshone. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely got a chance. All right, man. Look, let me, let's let you get down there. Uh, to the star and keep getting us this goodness, man. Appreciate you, Pat, coming through and giving us the science as you do on a scientific method today. Good brother. Love you, man. And yeah, love you, man. Blessings as always. Talk Salute. to you guys next time. Patrick Nosey Walker, ladies and gentlemen, of DallasCowboys.com. Blessing us 
with our daily dose. I'm sorry, weekly dose of the science. Man, I will forever be grateful for that. I'm sorry. Just, just seriously. Thanks for watching and make sure to follow and subscribe to A to Z Dallas so you don't miss an episode of The Scientific Method. Every Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Central on Facebook and YouTube with every episode available on A to Z Sports dot com.